so again, another appropriate response to that is that we're not on the receiving end of that vengeance, but we can also trust him that vengeance belongs to him and that we don't have to try to set everything right um, in our own power. And we could go on and go on and go on, but um, the the point that I want to make is Psalm 92 really is for us. I'm not arguing that that's why it's strategically placed here, but I am going to say it really for it really is for us a reminder that if if we don't get anything else as far as the application to um, some of these other things about who God is and about what God's done, we need to be reminded we cannot overlook the fact that God loves praise and that it is appropriate for us to praise God. And it doesn't make God arrogant that he loves praise. It's good and right that we would praise him because he's worthy of our praises. So with that being said, let's just read Psalm 92 and then we'll work our way through the text. It is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praises unto thy name, O Most High, to show forth thy loving kindness in the morning and thy faithfulness every night upon an instrument of ten strings and upon the psaltery, upon the harp with a solemn sound. For thou, Lord, hast made me glad through thy work. I will triumph in the works of thy hands. O Lord, how great are thy works, and thy thoughts are very deep. A brutish man knoweth not, neither doth a fool understand this. When the wicked spring as the grass, and when all the workers of iniquity do flourish, it is that they shall be destroyed forever. But thou, Lord art most high forever. For lo, thine enemies, O Lord, for lo, thine enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. But my horn shalt thou exalt like the horn of a unicorn. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. Mine eye also shall see my desire on my enemies, and mine ears shall hear my desire of the, of the wicked that rise up against me. The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat and flourishing to show that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. So this this psalm is, I mean, the opening phrase here, really does set the tone for how we need to think about the whole psalm. And that is, it is a good thing, verse 1, to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praises unto thy name, O Most High. It's a good thing. You know, we've, we can talk about this in, in, in different aspects. Sometimes um, we wonder, what is it that we ought to be doing as far as growing. What is the sign of a mature Christian? Uh, what are some of the disciplines that we ought to be giving attention to? And in all of those questions, being thankful to God is high up on the list. Um, there's a couple of times in Scripture where we are told that this specifically is the will of God for your life. And and 
the will of God is more than just those two things. One, your sanctification. I had a first Thessalonians. But the second one, um, out of the same book, first Thessalonians chapter five, turn there with me. First Thessalonians chapter five. More than likely you're familiar with this passage. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So we, we, we may ask ourselves, what is it that God would have me to give attention to in my life? What are the areas where I need to grow? Well, you know, there are times where the Lord makes some areas more obvious than others. There are some tendencies, some habits that we have, and, and they tend to stand out more than other things that maybe we're unaware of. One of the things that the Holy Spirit does through the Word is begins to convict us of some things. And, and it's a blessing, isn't it, that God doesn't convict us of everything all at one time? And we'd never get anything done. Um, he's, he's very patient and he's very kind in bringing conviction into our lives. And then many times he'll bring conviction and we'll think this is a new problem. And, and maybe we'll tell somebody that knows us well and that they'll let us in on the secret that, no, this has been around for a long time. You're just now seeing it. Okay. Praise God for that. But, but this isn't a new problem. The Lord is, uh, the Holy Spirit is illuminating these different things. Well, um, when we when we look at this this passage in particular, and uh, when we look back at uh, chapter uh, three, chapters three and four, there we see that in these two things, of course, they're general, okay, uh, but they're general realities that have specific applications. So, number one, your sanctification. Well, that's you know. That's going to be whatever it is that the Lord is convicting you about as you seek to grow and walk in obedience with Him and repent of your sin. But this one, in everything. Okay, that's a that's a blank check, right? I mean, that applies to everything. You know, in, in the Greek, that everything means everything. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God. In Christ Jesus concerning you. Now, we always want to make these qualifications just in case it's, uh, it sounds bizarre or confusing. You'll notice verse 18 begins with in everything, not for everything. Okay, It's in everything that we're giving thanks. So for instance, we're not going to give thanks for, you know, gruesome, cruel atrocities where someone has greatly sinned against another person. We don't say, thank you, Lord, that, you know, Jeffrey Dahmer ate those people. We thank you, Lord. You know, that's not what it's saying. It's in everything. And this is a personal thing. This is not some sort of an abstraction where you try to go collect tragedies to figure out what fits and what doesn't. This is for you in your life. In everything give thanks. Why? Because in everything, God is blessing you. God is sustaining you. God is strengthening you. God is unfolding His promises in ways that maybe you can't see, maybe in ways that you're unaware of. 
God is growing your character to be more Christ-like. Again, maybe in, th- in ways that you're completely blind to. God is at work in everything preparing you to live in eternity with Him face-to-face without sin. In everything, give thanks to God. Why? Because this is the will of God in Christ for you. So number one, it's a good thing to give thanks to God because it's God's will that we would do that. When we find ourselves on... uh, you know, going through long periods of time, we find long gaps of uh, our expressions of thankfulness. Um, many times it's because we're preoccupied with something else or, um, you know, it can be kind of equivalent to, sometimes you may think, well, I just can't think of anything to give thanks for. Right? It's kind of like the kid or adult, depending on the time, that is hungry but they're hungry for a specific thing and they open the refrigerator that's full of food and the next thing out of their mouth is there's nothing to eat in here, right? Well, if you're the one putting the food in the fridge, you're thinking, uh, there's about 250 bucks worth to eat in there, right? I mean, you know, know, there's a lot to eat in there. It may not be what you want, but it's there. Well, Whenever we're thinking about what it is we might give thanks for, or we're trying to, you know, we're trying to think hard and we just can't come up with anything, that's about what it would be like with God. He is lavishing us with His kindness, with His grace, with His blessings. If we have Christ, we have everything. And so for the Christian, for the believer, for the one who has come to know the living God, there is always reason to give thanks in every circumstance. Because when you open that fridge, it's full of blessings every time. It may not be the one you want, but it's full nonetheless. Okay? So, number one, it's the will of God. Number two, in Ephesians chapter 5, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18 through 20, talks about being filled with the Spirit here. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. What I want to point out here is that an individual who is regularly giving thanks is an individual who is living their life in a way that is marked by being filled with the Spirit of God. Okay? There are some times that people think spiritual maturity looks like your radar always picks up on everything that's wrong in the world. Okay? And, and, and I just can't be satisfied with anything. I can't be satisfied with anyone. I'm just longing for heaven, and I'm not there yet. I'm just longing for righteousness, and we live in this unrighteous world. I'm just longing for peace, and we live in a world that's full of turmoil. And sometimes people have this idea that the model Christian um, is someone who nitpicks the sin out of everything and is determined not to be happy or joyful. Well, you don't find that here, do you? Someone who's living a life that is marked by 
A spirit-filled walk with God is someone who's constantly giving thanks. Okay, they can't do it enough. They're giving thanks to God because they're aware that although we do live in a world that's marked by sin, it's marked by more division than peace, we live in a world that's full of unrighteousness, we live in a world that is, as we speak, being redeemed along with the children of God. And we live in anticipation that this world will one day be replaced by a new heavens and a new earth wherein dwells righteousness, and we will dwell face to face with God. It's not time for that yet, and we've got to learn how to be content with that. But the fact that it's not time for that yet doesn't mean that we don't get to see and experience tokens of that. For an example, right here, right now, right? we are unhindered, and we're going to spend as long as we want, which is about 30 minutes, as long as we want, in Psalm 92 without any hindrances. That's one of those blessings that... Um, you know, we don't even think about most of the time. So it's, it's like, like the illustration, you know, if you want to know what water's like, don't ask a fish, because that's all they know. Right? They've never noticed it. They can't tell you anything about it. Well, if you want to know what an unhindered church service looks like, don't ask us. That's all we've ever known. Okay? We don't think much about it, but we should. Right? So again, it is good to give thanks Unto the Lord, and we could go on there, but but I've made the point. It's it's Thanksgiving is a is on a, is a high priority with the Lord. It's not only is it His will for us, but if we're interested in growing, we're interested in walking in a spirit filled way. Then then giving thanks is going to be uh, at the top of our list. For example, let me give you an example for that. One of these things about giving thanks in all things. Um, I've mentioned this to you before. Um, but um, Paul does this regularly with people that he's writing to, and one of the just impossible examples of that is in um, the letter to the uh, Corinthians, 1 Corinthians. Uh, so you know what this letter is all about. Paul is writing this church that is, I mean, to say they were a disordered church is is a big understatement. Okay, you had all kinds of gross sexual sin going on. One that they said even the even the uh, the Gentiles didn't even speak of. You had people getting drunk at communion. You had people pigging out at communion. You had um, um, all kinds of just uh, off the wall things going on in service that was more of a disruption than it was a blessing, and so forth and so on. Look how Paul starts out his letter in verse three. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God, which is given you by Christ. Okay, now we could go on and talk a little bit more about that, but he's talking again to this church that's way out there. There's no doubt that Paul had to put lots of time and lots of effort, and he probably had lots of question marks in his mind about how is all this going to work out? 
And he says, I think my God, what? I said a quick prayer before I wrote the letter hoping you'd receive it. Now, always on your behalf. He, he, he begins to thank God um, for them. He's thanking God when you get in verse 7 because they come behind in no gift. You're lacking nothing. And we could spend all night here, and I'm not going to do that, but it's just an example here of what it means to give thanks in all things. Paul is not giving thanks for the sin that exists in the church of Corinth. Paul is giving thanks for the sinners who are being redeemed by Jesus Christ. And even though they're not fully redeemed yet from the standpoint their sanctification is not complete, that doesn't hinder him from giving thanks for them on a regular basis. And now we can see a little bit of a picture of why it's so difficult to do. That's not a natural thing. Um, seems like the instruction would come first, and then Paul would say, please begin to act in a way that I can give thanks for later. That's not what he says. So it's a good thing to give thanks to the Lord. Again, back in Psalm 92. Um, and to sing praises unto thy name, O Most High, to show forth thy loving kindness in the morning and thy faithfulness every night. So all these, all these uh, expressions here in the first couple of verses, uh, they're, they're really they're just parallel. They're, they're saying the same thing. It's good to give thanks. It's good to sing praises to the Most High. It's good to show forth His loving kindness that morning and night that just it, it's just a um, structurally they call it a merism in, in Hebrew and it just means all the time in, not just morning not just night but everything in between as well it's good to give thanks all the time for God's faithfulness for God's loving kindness in verse 3 upon an instrument of 10 strings and upon the psaltery upon the harp and with a solemn sound so it's just it is good to give thanks to God now we're going to get a, a heading here that the next two points will really fall under so if it's good to give thanks verse 4 not really verses 4 through 6 uh, is encouraging and highlighting fact that we ought to be giving thanks for the blessings of God's works. Giving thanks for the blessings of God's works. Verse 4, for thou, Lord, hast made me glad through thy work. I will triumph in the works of thy hand. O Lord, how great are thy works, and thy thoughts are very deep. A brutish man knoweth not, neither doth a fool understand this. So what's he saying here? Well, he's saying God's people ought to take joy in God's works. Okay. And the things that God has done and the things that God is doing and the things that God has promised to do. He says, Lord, it's, it's in your works that, that I'm going to take joy, that I'm going to be glad in. And, and, and he doesn't even say going to be. He says, you have made me glad in your works. And he's talking about, uh, as he's talking about it here, he's talking about both past tense um, and that we can anticipate what the Lord's doing as well. I will triumph in the work for thy hand. So 
What are the works that we ought to be thankful for? Well, in order to, and some of these are going to be, you're not going to be surprised by these, but one of the things that we have to remind ourselves is that um, we will we will have a hard time living out Psalm 92 if we spend all of our lives in this in a in a short-sighted existence. Okay. What I mean by that is if we spend our entire lives just thinking about what's right in front of us, you're going to have a hard time. Now, let me say this as well. We also don't need to, to neglect what's right in front of us. That would be wrong as well. But there are going to be times in your life where you're not really able to make sense out of what God's doing providentially. You're going through difficult times that you do not understand. And while you can give thanks in faith, knowing what God will do, your ability to give thanks is really based on what God has already done in your life and what that past action means for you in the present and in the future. So even those short-sighted times, we got to view them from a, a, a bigger span or a bigger, um, a bigger view, if that makes sense. So, number one, if we're going to take joy in God's works or as far as being glad in God's works, the things that have made us glad, number one, uh, we're going to take joy in the salvation that the Lord has given us. Okay, we were dead, but God in His mercy has made us alive with Christ and has seated us together with Him in heavenly places. And the fact that gas is going up doesn't affect that. That's now again. That being said, there's there are struggles that go along with that financially and so forth and so on. But but we've got to view all of that from a big picture, big picture lens. Okay, so our salvation, we have been brought to know God. We've been brought to know Him. And you know, one of these days, everybody's going to be brought to know Him. But we've been brought to know Him, not through judgment, but we've been brought to know Him through mercy and grace and love. And, and the, the, the knowledge that we've been given through the Lord Jesus Christ is a knowledge that draws us to Him. It's a knowledge that comes with promises. It's a knowledge that comes with um, the confidence that we're His possession, that He loves us, that He's caring for us. So just giving thanks to God for our salvation. I'll say a lot more about that. And I'll just say this, as we think about any of these, the more you can think about those and the more details you can unpack in those, the more you're going to have to give thanks for. You, get, you, you don't give thanks in the fuzzy generalities. You're going to give thanks in the specifics. Thank you, Lord. I was not worthy of anything. But while I was dead, you gave me life. We, we, uh, you know, I thank you, Lord, that uh, that I know we haven't gotten here yet. But uh, verse six talks about a brutish man doesn't know these things. He doesn't understand these things. Lord, I was that brutish man. I was that fool. But you've brought me to know these things. And we could go on and on and on. All right. Number two. 
not just being glad in his salvation, okay, as a in a big picture sense, but this is part of that, being glad or giving thanks for his providential dealings in our lives. God is God's invisible hand is at work in my life and in your life every second of every day that we live. God is active, actively at work. Um, There is no such thing as an accidental blessing. There is no such thing as you just stumbling upon something good. Okay, God's hand is involved in your life in the details of your life so that he provides as we have need. He reroutes, he changes our hearts and our minds. He leads us in different ways. He, he, you know, we can look in our, look back in the past and we can see, um, a lot of times the big picture of how God has led us in ways that, um, we didn't know where we were going. We didn't know how it was going to end up, but God had a good purpose in it and he, he placed us somewhere or he worked something uh, in such a way that we can't imagine life without it. So God's providential dealings in our lives, that's part of what God's works are, right? And then this is... Uh, this is along those lines as we think about God's providential dealings. We're, we're just thinking about God's blessings and God's provisions. God's blessings and God's provisions. Uh, so when we're thinking about thanksgiving for these things, um, you shouldn't think about this from the standpoint that when I am spontaneously moved to do so, I will. I've talked about this before, but somehow... Um, it's become a popular idea that unless it's spontaneous, it's not spiritual. That's just not the case. If we're going to give thanks the way that we ought to give thanks, that's going to have to become a discipline in our lives. It's a good discipline to give thanks before every meal. Okay? Now, it can become mindless and it can become whatever, but, but the fact that it becomes that doesn't mean that it has to be that. Every morsel you ever put in your mouth came from the hand of God. We ought to give thanks. Okay? And we could go on and talk about all the, all the other different things, but the point that I'm making is, is that if, we, if it's a good thing to give thanks, don't leave it up to your feelings. Okay? Your feelings are going to be up and down and all around, and your feelings do not indicate whether or not God is worthy to be praised. Okay? Scripture does that, and we know that He is, and so we ought to incorporate a discipline of thanksgiving into our lives, whether that's a time that you specifically set aside every day in prayer, uh, whether that's uh, some other way that you put this together, it ought to be intentional. It ought to be intentional. So thanking God for his works. Now, third, we're really going to get into a contrast here. And so the the thanksgiving is, is uh, there's some of this that's implied. Some of it is right here on the, on the page. Verses seven through nine. I'm sorry, I don't want to, I don't want to miss this. I, I talked about it. Verse five, O Lord, how great are thy works and thy thoughts are very deep. A brutish man knoweth not, neither doth a fool understand this. Now, here's the point. Not everybody has the ability and the understanding to give thanks to God. 
Not everyone has been given eyes to see and ears to hear. We talked about that on Sunday. Not everyone has been given the understanding that every good and perfect gift comes down from God. Not everyone's been given the understanding that all I deserve is wrath and hell. And God has lavished me with blessings in spite of that. Okay? Not everyone has that understanding. And so one of the questions that we're faced with is, are we going to live life as if we don't have that understanding? Okay? The folks that don't have that understanding think it's ridiculous to acknowledge a God, to give thanks to God. That's absent in their lives. And for Thanksgiving to be absent in our lives is for us to look just like them. Although the Lord's given us an understanding, that, by the way, we're not talking about, um, while this statement would stand true, we're not talking about the fact that it is your dry duty to give thanks to God. No, it's your privilege to give thanks to God. It's a blessing for you to be able to give thanks to God. It's a blessing to be able to see God's hand in your life, to be able to acknowledge the source of your blessings and to be able to take comfort in future times that you can remember when God faithfully provided for what you needed. It's a blessing to be able to see God's hand in your life. And he says not everybody can do that. Think about what all is missing. Hope. We live in a world that The only hope that they have is that in the vapor of a life that they get to live, they can make some big changes that will put everything on its head. And most of these people will never be remembered. The hope that we have is that we belong to Christ and that while we will work and labor to honor Him, to express our thanks to Him for what He has done, He's won the battle for us. We've see, we see that. We know that. We understand that. And so we ought to be giving thanks for it. All right. Now, 7 through 9, giving thanks to the, for the Lord's dealings with the wicked. Verse 7, when the wicked spring as the grass and when all the workers of iniquity do flourish, it is that they shall be destroyed forever. But thou, Lord, art most high forever. For lo, thine enemies, O Lord, for lo, thine enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. So here's what he tells us. We're we're still thinking about giving thanks. So number one, um, the flourishing of the wicked is just for a short time. It's just for a short time. So we're not supposed to put our heads in the sand and pretend like that we're happy with those who, uh, who are wicked, who find themselves in power for a little while. But when we find folks who are wicked who find themselves in power for a little while, we know who put them there, and we know that he's got a timer on their flourishing or on their time of, of uh, being able to do what they're doing. We know who controls all of that. It says, secondly, that they will be destroyed forever. They may flourish for a moment, but they'll they'll be destroyed forever. And he's really setting up a contrast here, a comparison contrast in verse 7b and verse 8. So he says, it is that they shall be destroyed forever, but thou, Lord, art most high forever. You see that? 
The wicked, they may rise to power for a short time, but their destruction is forever and God's reign is forever. And that forever includes even when the wicked are flourishing. And so God most high is forever reigning, even when it doesn't visibly look that way. It's good to give thanks to the Lord. It's good to give thanks to the Lord, even when the wicked come to power. Why? Because it's only for a short time. Why? Because one day God will destroy wickedness forever. Why? Because the Most High is ruling and will rule forever. So, giving thanks for the Lord's dealings with the wicked. And then last, giving thanks for the Lord's dealings with His people. 10 through 15. But, verse 10, but, this is a this is a contrast again from what's happening with the wicked, but my horn, that is my power, shall thou exalt like the horn of a unicorn. Now more than likely he's talking about a rhinoceros there. He's not talking about the kind of unicorn you think about when you think about a unicorn. It's not a horse with a single horn. Um, uh, you will exalt uh, thou exalt Let me start again. But my horn shall thou exalt like the horn of a unicorn. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. Mine eye also shall see my desire on mine enemies, and mine ears shall hear my desire of the wicked that rise up against me. The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. He shall grow like the cedar in Lebanon. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat and flourishing to show that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. Okay, so number one, giving thanks to the Lord for his dealings with his people. Number one here, out of verse 10, my horn shalt thou exalt. Okay, this is a, this is a, the horn there is a, a metaphor that's used for strength, power, and we could go through the Old Testament and show you that, but um, I don't have time right now. But it's it's a it's a uh, a metaphor for strength. So the Lord blesses His people with strength. Okay, now think about that. We're, we're still thinking about Thanksgiving. Number one, strength over sin. We've we've been delivered from the penalty of sin, from the power of sin so that we don't have to live lives that are enslaved to sin. Well, we ought to begin with the thanksgiving, shouldn't we? Sin used to be my master. I was in the slave market of sin. That was the air I breathed and the water that I drank. Not anymore. The Lord's delivered me from that and He's given me strength over that. Lord, we thank You. Secondly, strength in trials and suffering. Isn't that a blessing whenever you go through difficulties? And again, strength doesn't mean that you're bulletproof. It doesn't mean that you're not affected at all, but it does mean that the Lord sustains you and the Lord carries you through and He gives you a strength that you wouldn't have had otherwise. So one of the blessings that the Lord gives His people is strength. And we could go on and on talking about that and trying to unpack specifics on that. Second, The Lord blesses His people. This is close to what we were saying earlier. The Lord blesses His people with the anticipation that one day wickedness will cease. 
David says, I will see my desire upon the wicked. Okay? And so will you. It's good that we would grow weary of wicked rulers. That's right. It's good that we would grow weary of those who would push an agenda that is godless. Okay? All that's good. One of the things that we can give thanks for right now is that we know that we can anticipate that one day that will no longer be a reality. That God will deal with wickedness. Wickedness will no longer exist. And the reason that we know that's a reality is because of the cross of Christ. He's dealt with the wickedness in his people. And one of the days, one of these days, he's going to deal with the wickedness of those who aren't his. And wickedness will be dealt with. So David's, or not David, but the, the psalmist here is um, thanking God for that. Third, verses 12 through 15, thankfulness, thanksgivings here, because the Lord blesses the righteous to flourish. The Lord blesses or the Lord will bless. We can think about it future tense or present. This, this uh, passage here does both. The righteous to flourish. Verse 12, the righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Uh, They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat and flourishing to show that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. So the flourishing of God's people. Now, what does that mean? So we've got to make sure we understand what is being said here before we can um, see this reality for what it is. God's people flourishing here doesn't mean that God's people flourish in the world's eyes. Doesn't mean that we're uh, flourishing materially. Doesn't mean that we're flourishing politically. It doesn't mean that we're flourishing um, in the in this kingdom of the world as far as that goes really the language that the psalmist is using here is very close to the language that Jesus uses in John chapter 15 in Psalm 92 he says those who are planted in the house of the Lord in John 15 he says those who abide in me in John 15 he talks about those who are fruitful those who bring who flourish In spiritual fruit, Jesus says that those who abide in him bring forth much fruit to the glory of God the Father. What kind of flourishing, what kind of fruit are we talking about here? Well, We're talking about God's people flourishing, bringing forth fruit to the glory of God who abide in him who are planted in Him. Uh, To be planted in the house of the Lord here just means to be fixed in God's presence. Okay, to be, uh, we've talked about this in, in other Psalms, um, the dwelling, the abiding, it it's means that you're remaining in God's presence. You're living in His presence. You're walking before Him. You're meditating on His Word day and night, so forth and so on. Those who are planted there, they will flourish. They will grow. They will walk in a way, live in a way that honors God. They will again bring forth fruit one of the, you know, we say fruit and that's plural. One of, one aspect of that is the fruit of thanksgiving. Okay? The sacrifice of praise that is acceptable through Christ to the Father. The Lord will bless his people to flourish, to flourish in 
righteousness, to flourish in bringing forth spiritual fruit. And all of this is in the context of flourishing in a fallen world where the wicked have not yet been dealt with and the righteous are still living with adversity. Notice how this psalm ends in verse 15 and, and verse 14, they shall still bring forth fruit in old age. That is, they will be uh, uh, fruitful. They will uh, flourish in their fruit from, I mean, we're thinking about the other side of the cross now, but from the time of their conversion all the way up until the day that they die, the Lord will be at work in his people. He, the vine dresser will continue to prune. The spirit will continue to bring forth fruit to the glory of God, the father. What he has started will not go away, but it will be brought to completion. So even in old age, it says, and then in verse 15, to show, that is, why? Why is it that they will flourish in old age? And why is it they'll be bringing forth fruit? And and why is all this stuff? To show that the Lord is upright. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake, Psalm 23 tells us. You see, God's God's staked his name on his works. And if his works are on you, then you can you can um, anticipate and trust and give thanks that God's going to continue what he started and he's doing it not for your glory, but for his glory to show that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness with him. Okay, He's upright. He's righteous. He's going to do all that He's promised. And He's going to do all that He's promised for His namesake, for His character's sake, for His glory's sake. And you're a beneficiary of that. And so we say, the psalmist, it is a good thing to give thanks to God. And how much we have to give thanks for. So may God bless these thoughts penetrate our hearts, bear fruit in our lives. Let's pray. Father, we, uh, we do give you thanks tonight. Uh, we thank you that you have been a faithful God uh, to each one of your people here uh, our entire lives. You've always provided for what we needed. You've always led us, even when we didn't know where we were going. Uh, Lord, you have... Um, given us your son. Uh, You have providentially planted us here in this place together. You've given us your spirit. And Father, we can anticipate that you will continue to provide for the things that we need, that you will continue to draw near to us and draw us closer to you. And Father, I pray you would bless us with... uh, those eyes to see. Lord, you've given them to us, but I pray that we would be aware enough to be able to see, acknowledge, and give thanks for those blessings that you give us day in and day out that accompany the salvation that you've secured for us in Christ. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.